All right, welcome everyone to another episode of Behind the Human. I am your host, Mark Champagne, and it's my job to unpack the stories and mental fitness practices of people living at the top of their game personally and professionally. Today, I'm here with Roger Love, who is recognized as one of the world's leading authorities on voice. No other vocal coach in history has been more commercially successful in both the speaking and singing fields. Roger coaches singers such as Gwen Stefani, John Mayer, Selena Gomez, as well as speakers like Anthony Robbins, Marie Folio, and Brenda Bouchard, and actors including Reese Witherspoon, Jeff Bridges, and Kira Knightley. Just to name a few, frankly, that's just a, a small sample of the roster. It's amazing to have you, Roger. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm excited about being here. Before we jump into all your incredible work and everything that lights you up, I want to ask the same question that everyone gets to kick this off. And that's just, you know, who are you? What defines you as, a, as the human in front of me right now, uh, today at least? I am a husband and father who also had a passion very early on in my life. And that was music. That was singing. Okay. And I learned when I was a kid, very, very young, that if ever I was depressed or upset in any way, I could sing and it would immediately elevate my mood and I would be happy. Okay. So I grew up singing every second. I believed I was somehow trapped ha happily in a musical and that I didn't need to talk to anyone. I could just sing all the time. And then I was happy all the time I was singing. And so I grew up wanting to work with music and the voice. And yeah. I ended up becoming a voice coach because not only did I realize I had an ability and 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 a passion for singing, I found out I could help other people figure out what sounds they should make to achieve the happiness that they were looking for in their own lives. And so flash forward 40 years to the present, I love being a voice coach who works with singers, who works with speakers. I am at a place in my life where I spent so many years just thinking my job was to help people find a great voice. And now I'm much more interested in using voice to help make great people. Ooh, I love that. I have to ask, you know, as you're growing up and you realize that, you know, singing and music and whatnot brought that happiness to your life, what were your, you know, your parents and, and your family and friends saying? Was it all, all Rogers off to the side singing again? Or were you surrounded by, you know, a family of musicians or people that really uh, were in that field already? My mother played the piano, but just for fun. So no, I wasn't surrounded by okay. musicians. But I find that when you are authentically engaged in in your passion, people don't shun you. They appreciate you, even if they don't want to sing along. They appreciate, look, Roger's happy. Let him do his thing. <laughs> so I, I, I met with zero resistance from my family and friends. As, and as I grew up, I self-selected. Here's people that love music. Here's people that like singing. Here's people that love to play instruments. And I could, I could 
self-select the people that I was around because I was always in a band or always taking lessons on an instrument. So, but I, I think generally when you find your passion and it's something that brings you joy, people love being around happy people. Of course. Why wouldn't you, right? It's uh, it's a great point. When did, when did it go from, you know, acknowledging, you know, that passion and your, your excitement around voice and whatnot? Like when did it go from just being a personal thing to, you know, this is going to be my work? I was studying to sing everything. And at 13 and a half, I managed to get a lesson from the most famous voice teacher in the world. What made him so famous was the fact that he had all the biggest stars in the world. He was teaching the Barbra Streisands and the Frank Sinatras and and the Madonnas and all, all the biggest singers in the world. So he took me in for a lesson. And I started studying with him. And again, I was just working on my own voice. And he said, you're going to be an opera singer because he loved opera. And I had a big voice. So he said, let's train you to be an opera singer. I said, I'm good with training to sing anything. I love singing all, all in. So at 16 years old, he had to go, when I was 16, he had to go to Canada to teach a master class hmm. in, to, in Banff. And okay. he didn't have anybody to take over the studio. And I'd been studied, studying with him for about three years. And he said to me, Roger, why don't you come over after school on Monday and teach lessons? Because I don't have anybody else to teach, and you're a pretty good singer. Maybe you can pull it off. And, of course, I said, wow, what an honor. One huge problem. I'm a student. I have no <laughs> idea in the world how to teach voice. You didn't teach me how to teach. How am I supposed to teach these people? What am I supposed to teach them? He says, oh, just show up and fake it. And he says, and I'll pay you $100 an hour. Now I'm 16 years old and I'm not stupid. And I love to sing. (laughs) And $100, the the $100 an hour seemed like a a lot more than I could make at any other job uh, working as a a bag boy or, or anything else. I was doing at a market, which I wasn't doing. I was just going to school. So I said, I'll be there on Monday. And my first day, first lesson was Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys. Why not, right? (laughs) And then the second lesson was Luther Vandross. And then the third, and then everybody you could possibly imagine, the biggest stars in the world were already there from Stevie Wonder to the Jacksons to Earth, Wind and Fire to all the bits to Chicago, all these top groups. So I was literally. (laughs) <laughs> in a very interesting position. I managed to <laughs> fake it, <laughs> literally, until I made it. And six months later, all when he came back, all of his students decided they wanted to stay with me because I'd actually found an ability to teach that I didn't even know existed. Yeah. And and so he so my teacher brought me in at 16 and a half as the junior partner in what was already the biggest voice studio on the planet. So that's what turned it into a business for me. I I had I I had an opportunity. I made the most of it. And then yeah. I was able to fit being a, a voice teacher in with everything else I was doing, singing and going to school and I went to college and but I, but in every free waking moment I was also a voice coach. I love it. I love it. I, I have to ask, you know, from a, from a mental fitness standpoint, I mean, 
you probably weren't thinking about this, but subconsciously stuff was happening. Like, how were you managing the emotion of, oh shit, like I'm in, <laughs> like this is happening now. How do, how do I show up and do this? I was freaking out and completely out of my element and, and nervous. And I'm sure I was sweating profusely. And, <laughs> and literally my brain said, what now, Roger? Because you're not equipped for this. And one of the things that my brain said, why don't you just try to sound like your voice coach? He had this big, booming voice with lots of melody and lots of personality. <laughs> I said, why don't I just try to imitate his speaking voice and maybe they wouldn't notice. Now I'm 16. <laughs> He's like 50. <laughs> <laughs> I, so I, I wasn't thinking rationally, but the first thing I could think of was try to sound like my voice teacher. Maybe they wouldn't know. The second thing I thought of was just ask them what problems are they having? What mm, yeah. problems are you having with your voice? Of course, not thinking I'd have any answers or any way to actually fix it. But I figured it was a good start. So nice to meet you. Tell me what problems or issues you're having with your voice. I thought maybe there was a one in a bazillion chance that I might know something <laughs> about what they asked. So that's literally where I started with. And I just tried to, every lesson that I did, I tried to sweat a little less. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting, though. I mean, just going right back to, you know, we were talking about Cal Fussman before this, because that, that's essentially how we linked up. And, you know, he's one of the masters of curiosity, right? And the questions he asked and has built a whole career off of that. I mean, it always comes back to some sort of powerful question. If you, if you ask the right one and just sit back and kind of shut up and listen, you're going to get information. And we're smart. We can continue from there. I think that's very wise. I think that being a teacher is a very noble profession. But I think part of being a teacher is thinking that you have a system that you learn from your teacher. So your job is to teach that system. And me included, sometimes I just go overboard with trying to teach what I know instead of trying to figure out everything they need to know. And if mm -hmm. I happen to know some of those things that could fit into that category, yeah. I'm a voice coach. I tell people that, that I train people how to make sounds, but also be incredible listeners. Because okay. if you're not a good listener, how could you hear yourself? How could you, how could you alter the way that you sound speaking or singing? So yeah. I, I really did exactly what you said. I didn't know that much. So I had to go into listener learner mode listen to why people were there. What did they want? How could I help them achieve that? Fascinating. And then, you know, you, you, from my research, you've worked with a lot of singers at that time, obviously. And there was a, a moment in your career where you realized that you could also help uh, you know, motivational speakers or speakers in general, I guess you could say. And there was a bit of a shift there. I'd love for you to, to share that with the audience. I loved teaching singing because I yeah. was so interested in music. I was playing so many instruments and I, I loved singing myself. So I was just enamored with singing. And I thought it was a very noble idea to just work towards being the greatest singing coach I could possibly be. 
So I did that for 17 years very happily. And then speakers started coming to me, people like Anthony Robbins and Susie Orman and John Gray, who had written Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, and actors like Reese Witherspoon and uh, tons of actors started coming to me. And they said, we heard that you're a voice expert. Would you work on our voices? Some of them were having issues like losing their voices. Some of them wanted to learn how to sing. Some of them wanted to work on characters that they could use for their acting. Mm. So in the beginning, I turned, I, I did one thing very consistently. I said no to all of them. I just turned them away, no matter how successful they were, no matter how famous their speaking voices were. I said, no, I'm a singing coach. And I would give them a recommendation to a speech coach or a, a pathologist if they were having some kind of problem, a throat doctor, a laryngologist, whatever I thought could help them more than me. Yeah. And then I would say, but since we've connected and you've come to me for help, let me know in a couple of months how it all works out. Let me know how my recommendations for other people to help you works out. And then hmm. they would go off on their way. Now, one by one, every single one of those amazing speakers, actors, celebrities, they started calling me back a few weeks later saying, we did what you said. We didn't fix the problem. That's not what we're looking for. They all came back. And then I said to them, okay, I'll give it a shot. Why don't we set up one lesson? I won't charge you. And let's see if I can help what your issue is. And so that's what started it. And when speakers started coming to me, the epiphany was, I had two epiphanies. One, I loved working with the speaking voice. I loved it. When you help a singer change their voice, they can sing higher, they can sing lower, they can strain less, they can sell more t-shirts at their concerts. And that's about it. When you help a person find their speaking voice, find their voice. Yeah. And, and in some way they were trapped behind voices that weren't even beginning to convey who they really were, how special they were. When you help somebody find their voice, you change their whole life. And many others. And, and all the lives of the people that hear them speak. Yeah. Once they find their voice. It's not just, you know, being a, having a voice and, and making a difference in your own life and the lives of others is two different things. So the per first epiphany was, I love working with speakers. In many ways, it was more rewarding. And it was a lot easier than trying to make everybody sing three octaves and sound like uh, Pavarotti or, or Stevie Wonder. It's not that easy to make somebody sound like Stevie Wonder. <laughs> it's hard, that's hard work. And the second epiphany was, I realized that singing and speaking was basically the same thing, that we have control over the same variables, the pitch, mm -hmm. how high or low we go, the pace, how fast or slow we go, the melody, does it go up, does it go down, what are the, what are the melody notes, the, the pitch, pace, volume, the tone, do we speak or sing airy? I love to love you, baby. Or is it edgy like this? Everything's a squeaky hinge. I forgot to put WD-40 on my door. So pitch, yeah. pace, tone, melody, and volume. <laughs> those are the controls we have over sound anyways. I realized after doing a ton of study, trying to prove that speaking and singing was different, I realized that I should just teach my speakers how to make sounds that would move people emotionally 
just like I'd gotten, just like I'd spent 17 years teaching singers how to do it. And the results was I sort of put the music into people's speaking voices. Yeah. And those speaking voices, the ones that were already famous, they became more effective and more famous. The ones that wanted to be, have a greater impact on the world, I helped them achieve that. So sure. singing and speaking is the same thing. And working with speaking is turned out to be a lot more fun than I thought. <laughs> I love it. I mean, for everyone listening, you know, myself included, I, I, I'll have a more pointed question probably a little bit later just for podcasting. And I'm actually narrating my audiobook that we were talking about earlier. So that's you know, just breathing has been a real eye opening experience. Just trying to, since there's no background noise and it's just you're right there with the mic. It's been challenging in that sense, but I, the, I'd like to first start with more of a, a, an open question on just for anyone that isn't speaking or isn't a singer, why should they care about their voice? First of all, if you're not speaking, you have some physical ailment that's stopping you from you're making right. any sound. So, <laughs> so the premise is this, every single person that can make sound, whether it's good or bad, speaking or singing, is a professional speaker because when you open up your is a public speaker sorry is a public speaker because yeah, when yeah. you open your mouth to speak whether it's the doggy or whether it's your friend or it's a relationship or it's in business you're the speaker and that's your public we are all public speakers I'm a public speaker at the market talking to the checkout person. I'm a public speaker at the car wash talking to the car wash attendant. I'm a public speaker wherever I go and anyone will listen to me. So the bottom line is, is that we all need to learn how to create a voice that works for every communication that we have in life because you are making sounds and you are talking to people. And those conversations are either making your life better or worse. Those conversations are either making you feel better or worse, healthy or unhealthy, sad or happy, or a list of many emotions, or making the other people who hear you happy, unhappy, a list of emotions, <laughs> unhealthy or healthy based on listening to you. So finding your voice is a prerequisite. We were given a voice. Those of us that were lucky enough to have not, not any kind of birth defect, we were given a voice. Sure. And that voice, actually, when you think about it, is not for you. Your mm. voice is not for you. Well, Roger, what does that mean? It's a gift that you're supposed to learn how to use, and you give it away. Your voice was made so that you could communicate with others. If your voice was made for you, your ears wouldn't be on the side of your head <laughs> because when <laughs> yeah. your mouth is right here in the front, so what happens when you speak? It goes out there. The sound goes out there, but your ears are back here. So that's enough of a reason right there. Aside from I have tons of other reasons. Sure. But really voice, the, the ability to speak is the ability to speak to other people. So you find a voice so that you can communicate with other people and create conversations, which create relationships. So powerful. Love that. When it comes to, this is where I remember when I was listening to your interview with Cal, um, 
where I initially reached out saying, we've got to jump into this from a mental fitness perspective. Because you shared a bit of this, obviously. There's there's yourself, there's the person on the other side receiving the messages or your voice. And I, I can only imagine the boosts in confidence you must have seen over the years when someone comes to you at a certain place and you bring them along the journey or the path. And it's just a completely different experience, right? Yes, I don't think people have made, I don't think enough people have made this association. The way you sound, when, when you make sound, it shows other people how you feel, mm-hmm. but it also telegraphs to yourself how you feel. So let's say you're an introvert, you're shy, you're depressed. So if you make sounds that fit into that category, so what are depressed sounds? Softer, because you just don't have the strength in your body to make volume lower in the range, because when you're depressed, you're, you're not speaking high notes, you're speaking low notes. Descending scales, where it goes from a high note to a lower note. It's okay, it's my birthday. That's about melody, descending scales, because when you're sad, the the melody of the voice goes down. When you're sad, you speak a little slower. Again, has to do with energy. And you hear yourself making all of those sounds. And what that does is it creates a feedback loop. You feel sad, you make the sounds of sad, depressed, lonely. You hear those sounds. It perpetuates that that's who you are and that's how you feel. And everyone else hears it and feels it, and you hear and feel it. So somebody comes into me, they're an introvert. Maybe they're depressed. What do I do? I change the way that they sound. I make them speak a little louder. We help, we, I create a character. I'm like, okay, you're depressed. Okay, you're an introvert. I got that. So we could spend years and years and years. I could send you to a psychotherapy and we could figure out the root of all that. Or yeah. I could just change the sounds you make as a beginning place to start, and I'll explain why that's so powerful. So instead of the softness, I have them speak a little louder. Instead of descending scales, I have them use ascending scales. It's an amazing day. My name is Roger Love. I can go from low notes to high notes. I have them speak a little faster. Yeah. And what literally happens is they hear themselves and they say, well, I'm making all this volume. I must be stronger than I thought. I'm making all these ascending scales. And I it sounds like I'm happy. And the brain perceives you to change to be in a mood change. Yeah. The brain says, Oh, you're stronger than I thought. Oh, that character that you're portraying right now, that's believable. That's authentic. So other people perceive you to be happier and stronger and more confident and, and have have more self-confidence. And then they react to you differently. So I make the sounds of confidence and happy. People react to me. They're like, I love being around Roger. He's so confident and happy. He's probably never nervous or depressed. (laughs) And then I see them react to me that way. And then what happens is, again, feedback loop. Yeah, loops. I start to say, well, maybe I'm, I'm, uh, they seem to really enjoy listening to me. And they're they're so happy around me. And uh, maybe, you know what? I feel good talking like this. And maybe I'm not so depressed. And it's okay to accept positive feedback from other people on how you make them feel and then turn that into you feeling better. So 
I don't, again, I don't think people have made that realization. You, when you make sounds, you hear yourself and you're actually, you're actually pigeonholing yourself into maybe a wrong mental state. Totally. It, it reminds me of, uh, you know, something that I talk about quite a bit or that comes up on the show as well, just given the subject matter is just, you know, starting your day off with intentions and, and some sort of affirmation, you know, today I get to learn something or I can't wait or today I want to feel motivated versus just letting the, the day autopilot. I mean, match that up with actually physically saying those words and with your techniques. I mean, that's powerful stuff. To make sound, you can't just change. To make sound, you have to change your your mentality and your physicality. To yeah. speak louder, you have to breathe more. To speak louder, you have to engage more vocal cords where you feel vibration all the way through. To when you do that, you actually change your physicality. Do you know there's there's been tons of studies, but one of my favorites is, says that if you sing for about twenty minutes a day, you can increase your life expectancy up to eight years. Because wow. singing has been proven to release chemicals into the brain, to make the brain work faster, to release happy uh, hormones into the body and chemicals, to fight against illness. There's so many, there's so many physical things that happen when you sing that make you physically he healthier and happier. Yeah. My student, Daniel Amen, Dr. Daniel Amen, the brain doctor, you know, we've talked about this endlessly on how what chemicals are released into the brain by making the, the sounds that you have to do when you sing. Well, the good news is the sounds I teach people to speak with, it's exactly the same as singing. So my speakers, my public speakers, my doctors and lawyers and teachers, and forget about just the people that are getting paid for their speaking voice, the actual public speakers, the, the 7 billion people on the planet, those people are making themselves happier and healthier by singing and speaking the same way. Mm -hmm. and, and, and the body, the body makes the changes to, to be healthier because of it. All right. Hello, friends. I have something to admit to you all. I am no longer recording this show out of my Mini Cooper. And surprise if you didn't know that. Thanks to the awesome humans over at Loop Phone Booths, I'm recording two podcasts in their flex booth at home. I'm also recording my audiobook, Personal Socrates, in this booth while my five-year-old is running around downstairs screaming, being a five-year-old. The booth rocks. So if you're looking for a space to take calls, record in, or just find a little quiet in your day, check them out. They're over at loopphonebooths.com. Now back to the show. Let's talk about breathing, because I feel like this is a big one, and this might be a personal bias, but I'm sure I'm not alone on this one. I, I noticed even, th this probably would have been three years ago on the podcast front, I used to record longer bios, and they used to be recorded post-show, and I remember just, it's like I was, I, I stopped breathing, or I was ugh, like about to, to, to vomit out nothing, essentially trying to, <laughs> to get these words out, because I had stopped breathing. And I'm starting to notice it in the audiobook as well, where especially if I start paying attention doing the recordings, it, it, it almost you know, I might as well just stop because it turns into disaster. You know, you're so focused on your breath or lack of, you know, what are some starting points? I feel like this is probably something many um, are faced with. They might not be recording audiobooks or, or doing, you know, things like that. But it's just, I feel like we, we all have many speaking environments where, this could come up again 
every single time you open up your mouth, you have something at stake. Well said. You have something at stake. The other person is going to feel something about you or not, be interested in you or not, want to create a relationship or not, want to say yes or no. You have something at stake every single time you open up your mouth when you hear yourself or when other people hear yourself. So again, we're all public speakers. It all matters. Yeah. Every time you open your mouth is an opportunity. Mm. How many hundreds of thousands of opportunities are you missing out on because you open your mouth and you made the person who hear, heard you feel nothing? Okay, breathing. Breathing is really important because breath is the delivery vehicle for great sound. What do I mean by that? That means that air is what carries your voice outside of you. It leaves your mouth and rides on a, it's supposed to ride on a nice, strong, solid bed of air. And then that sound and that air is supposed to vibrate the bodies of the people that you speak with. Speaking is not just an oral thing. It's a physical thing. This isn't woohoo, okay? This is scientific. Just because you can't see sound waves means nothing. Air and air carries those sound waves out of your body and vibrates the bodies of the people. Have any have you ever been in a rock concert where there's giant stacks of speakers and you walk past the front of the stage and you don't only hear the tremendous amount of volume there's this giant burst of air that's coming out of the speakers that basically could blow you over at yeah. a rock concert if you come too close to the speakers because True. sound is physical. There's actually air coming out. So air matters. Most people aren't speaking in a way or using air in a way that's even vibrating the bodies of the people they're speaking to because they're talking softly with no air and there's no sound or air coming out. So you're talking to yourself. You're not vibrating anybody else's body. That's bad. So what do you need to do? It's really simple. Diaphragmatic breathing. Yes, people have heard that. That's that's peachy keen. We should all do diaphragmatic <laughs> breathing. You should breathe into your nose. Stop raising your chest and shoulders. Breathing into the nose is great because there are filters in the nose called turbinates. And when you breathe through your nose, it becomes moist air. And when you mm. breathe through your mouth, it immediately dries out your throat and your vocal cords. And it, it limits the amount that you can speak during the day. So breathe into your nose. Pretend you have a balloon in your tummy. Your stomach comes forward. And here's the secret. Roger only wants me to speak while my stomach is slowly coming back in. I'm going to say that again. <laughs> I breathe in through my nose. I let my tummy come forward as if there was a balloon that I had eaten or I, I, I had swallowed an accordion. And my stomach comes forward. And I'm only supposed to speak while my stomach is coming in. That's the key. Okay. Most people's tummies are stationary when they're speaking. Check this out. I'm going to count up and down from one to 10. And, I, you, and I'm going to ask you facetiously to tell me when I'm breathing and when my stomach is 
being held tight. Ready? Sure. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. It's not yeah, it's so obvious, years, right? right? So obvious. So every time, every time my stomach stays stationary, I either sound I sound like this, where there's no air coming out. That's okay. why it goes vocal fry. That's why it has this squeaky hinge sound. Now, soon as I let my stomach come in, all of a sudden I have air flowing out with the sound. I sound more round and more resonant and more beautiful and more passionate. The volume's good. So people have gotten used to keeping their stomach tight as if what? They were all ab ab models <laughs> instead so of just true. humans? Do we have to be swimsuit models? No, if you are, awesome. If you have great abs, awesome. But what you need to learn is you're supposed to let your stomach come forward and then speak while your stomach is coming in because it sends just the right amount of air out. What good is an accordion who is in the out position or the in position, but it stays in one position? You're not going to get much sound out of it. Sure. (laughs) The voice is the same way. So breathing is... Very simple. Breathe in through your nose. Pretend you have a balloon in your tummy. Let your stomach come forward, no matter what kind of abs you have. And then only speak while your stomach is coming in. Then air just naturally flows out of your mouth. And then you have the potential of vibrating the bodies of the people that hear you. When you have those kind of physical connections and make those kind of sounds, oh, it's going to make you feel better and them feel better. And it's connective tissue. Of course. And then, and then essentially you're, you're breathing in again through your nose, like kind of restarting yeah. the cycle. But how do you help people, I guess, almost not pay attention to that? So it doesn't sound like it's, you know, talking, talking, and then, and, you know, it, it's almost like you're hyperventilating. Yeah. Well, first of all, I never said gulp into your nose because this sound <laughs> is not really sexy. <laughs> no matter whether your sinuses are good or not, clear or not, allergies or not, there's nothing good about this. Especially, <laughs> especially reading audiobooks. And then I turned towards the dog and I said to the dog, jump. <laughs> so that does not sound good. The engineer <laughs> who's engineering your audiobook does not like that sound because no. they have to go in and weed all the edit all those out. Yeah. So, You do not gulp into your mouth or your nose. Here, I'm going to breathe into my nose. I could either go or I could go, no sound. And now I breathe into my nose gently, silently. Here's the thing. We are not good breathers as humans. We were born doing diaphragmatic breathers, but then we watch people and they breathe wrong. They breathe through their mouths. They raise their chest and shoulders. So we learn bad habits. So what happens is, is, is we hardly ever have enough air or think yeah. we have enough air. Also, as humans, most people speak too many words in the sentence, thinking that they're getting paid by the word. And if they just had a few more words in the sentence before they passed out, that people would like them more. <laughs> yeah. So, so we, our sentences are too long generally, especially for experts who think they're so expert. They're so they're, they're so knowledgeable that they got to cram it all in. So the our period sentence, is your friend. Our, our <laughs> sentences, are, yeah. I say your the power of the pause, the comma is the, is an amazing. Mm. That more commas is what people want to hear. 
so they can process what you just said. So yeah. get to the comma, take the most gentle breath, not trying to fill up your lungs, but just trying to top off your lungs as if you were a good waiter and you were at an expensive restaurant where your job is to keep the water glass full and you do not wait till the customer's water glass is totally empty because you're not going to get a good tip. Mm. So you're continually walking by just topping it off, topping it off. Do you know that that 48 hours after, unfortunately, we're dead, there's still 25% air in the lungs? Wow. No, I didn't. There's always air in the lungs. You just top it off. Gentle, little tiny breath. One second in. That's enough. And then speak to the comma. Nobody asked you to speak a whole paragraph. <laughs> also, people need to understand that. So that so small, little gentle breaths, silent, in through the nose, shorter phrases to the comma. Here's what people need to need to realize. When someone is speaking, the other person is just inputting the words that they're saying. They're not processing the words. They're just trying to input the words. Mm -hmm. Then at the commas, the person's brain is saying, okay, now let me think about that. Let me process it. Let me pro how do I feel about those words that Mark just said to me? How do I feel about that? Yeah. So when you're speaking and you don't get to commas and spend enough time in a comma for silence, you're basically robbing the other person of processing what you said. They don't, they're, and if you just keep going and then you just jump right back in and you talk about, I really love red and you know, I really love yellow. And now I was talking the other day and I really love green. I didn't realize how much I love green more than yellow. They're just trying to input the words. They sure. haven't had a chance to think about green or yellow or how they feel about any of those colors. So, Breathe in through your nose, pretend you have a balloon in your tummy, let your stomach come in, take tiny breaths, one second, in through the nose, that's enough, move the commas to the left, and that's what you need to know about breathing. You, you are blowing my mind because here's the link that I'm making while you were hitting the, the commas, essentially. My book is, is in people that have followed the show obviously won't be surprised about this, but a lot of the book content is actually about the pauses in life. And, you know, the, for me, I'm using questions to pause people from the autopilot and whatnot. So there's, there's a tremendous amount of information in the book about pausing, yet at the same time, I'm not thinking about that when reading the audiobook. or, I mean, I definitely gave more thought to it writing and knowing, you know, where the commas were and stuff like that. But just you providing that link with the, the actual audiobook is huge. So, so thank you. That's a great yeah. way to think about it. Thank you for caring. Think about this. A great composer spends just as much time figuring out where to put the silent parts, the rests, as they do mm. figuring out where to put the notes. Because it is in the silence where anticipation lives. It is out of sure. the silence where surprise happens. It is in the silent spaces where the listener decides whether they want to hear more whether they're interested. It is where anticipation is created. So the silent spots, the rests, the pauses are your biggest friend because it lets people process and get excited about what you might say next or do next. Amazing. Well, to start wrapping up, I want to respect your time. I uh, Speaking of questions, I definitely would like to get 
your take on some reflective questions that either you think about, whether it's related to your work, your personal life, but just that they give you that pause in, in your life. Do you have any that come to mind? <laughs> Besides, what, you mean, I, you know, you what problems to, are you having with you your You want voice? me to come up with the questions and the answers? <laughs> no, 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 just the questions. Anything that comes. I ask this just because, you know, whether you're journaling or, or taking time to slow down and reflect, everyone's asking some type of reflective questions, either on a frequent basis or especially during big life-changing events. And I mean, I, I'm just trying to provide some inspiration for people to be like, ah, you know what, I resonate with that. That make that links to where I'm at in my life right now. And right. a perfect example is the one that you gave at the top of the show, which is just, you know, what are the pro what problems are you having with your voice? I mean, it's so powerful, right? Yeah. So you you're asking me what questions I have been asking myself. Yeah. What do you reflect on? I, I reflect on 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 the the ratio of saying yes and no mm. these days when you're in a position to help other people or when you know a, when you have a specific skill set and when you have a particular passion for it it becomes very it's a positive experience to say yes to everything that you're passionate about to yes to everything that you can do that helps. But it's impossible based on human restraints to say yes and then and then give yourself to everything. So sure. so, so I work on trying to, and at this particular point in my life, the things that I the opportunities I'm presented are so amazing, but they're also incredibly time consuming. Yeah. So I struggle or I ask myself on a regular basis, should I say yes or no to that? And I try to, and I separate, I have to separate it from, is it an amazing opportunity? Yeah. And I have to look at the big picture is, the, is me saying yes or no to that? How does that, how does that impact other people? Yes. But how does that impact my family? How does that impact mm -hmm. my, my health? So that's one of the, the questions that I wrestle with and try to create a better balance of being able to say no to things that would just create imbalance. Of course, that's a great question. The, I, I've learned, I mean, I'm, I'm older now, so I've, I've asked myself almost every question that I could think of for the last 50 some odd years. So, so I just, you know, I'll tell you what I wake up in the morning and I say to myself and see if that begets a question. I wake up in the morning and I, first of all, say, thank God, or yeah. thank goodness I'm alive. And then I say to myself, something amazing is going to happen today. Either it will just happen to me or I will make it happen. But something amazing is going to happen today. Mm. And then I'll just follow through on that. That begets a question. What do you count as amazing? Well, my, and then I say, there's a very famous quote. I don't know who said it. Maybe hopefully a lot of people, 
but I, I can't attribute it to anyone, but just say the quote of, the richest person is he whose treasures are the cheapest. So true. Yeah. So I wake up and say something amazing is going to happen. A miracle is going to happen today. But then I decide what, a, what amazing is, what a miracle is. So if I walk down the street and someone smiles at me, I say, that's amazing. That person doesn't know me. And that person just gave me all this positive energy just by smiling. If uh, I decide what's amazing. So then all day I'm gathering all of these positive things that I've decided. I'm not the person that says, unless I have a beach house with the most sand on the water, on the, the best part of Malibu with more bathrooms than anybody else on that part of the beach, that I won't be happy. I'm the person that says, oh, isn't the beach beautiful? Let's go and take a walk. Mm-hmm. And Perspective. That's Perspective. Yeah. I can't think of a better way to end, Roger. I mean, you, 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 the listeners can only hear, hear the audio right now, but they were obviously hearing the smiles and the energy. You can see them uh, through the camera here. I feel like the whole show, it's been nothing but smiles. So thank you, A, for showing up and bringing your energy to this conversation, but also, you know, just doing doing your work and, and putting such intention and, and effort into your craft and your career to help not only those clients, those direct clients of yours, but the millions of people that they've in turn helped in this world. So thank you for that. Oh, thank you so much for 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 acknowledging that and and look we're all like i said being a teacher is a noble profession any anytime i can help someone with something that i know that's a good day that's that to me that's an amazing day you know i did i did bring a, a present for yeah, your let's listeners talk about it. yes today i i do these things i join you today because as i just said i want to help people and my expertise is to help people unlock their voices to find a voice that would work better for them for all the different parts of their life. So if anyone has been so moved today that they want to learn more, that they want to help find their voice so they can communicate better with their kids or at work or with themselves, or they realize that their voice is holding them back from establishing the relationships and the, and the businesses that they're, they're into and the mental health where they hear themselves in control over their own emotions, showcasing the emotions they want to. And if I've inspired you to, uh, to think about your speaking voice or even your singing voice just for fun or both, I have a $50 gift certificate that's waiting for you at rogerlove.com forward slash human, all lowercase h-u-m-a-n, rogerlove.com forward slash human. So you can go there and you can claim that gift certificate and the, and the, my online programs, I make them so affordable. So $50 off is like, you're, it's, it's me investing almost all that you need to make it happen. So go there and pick what you want and put the $50 towards a singing program or a speaking program, something that could really help you understand how important your voice could be from this moment in your life moving forward. Just go to rogerlove.com forward slash human. And, uh, and, and I, I appreciate the opportunity to give you the gift. So go and check it out. 
I want to, I, I was going to make the point that this, you know, this isn't $50 off on a $15,000 course. So thanks for making you, you, it actually will go a long way. So I'll, um, I'll have all that obviously in the show notes and I highly encourage everyone to take advantage of that. Uh, I did when I first heard you, um, with Cal. So thank you again for the generous offer, your time, your energy, and have the best day yet. Awesome, Mark. Thank you so much for having me. And we'll talk again soon. And good luck with your new book. Thank you. 